What's up, y'all, and welcome to the Youth of the Nation podcast. Man, super excited for this episode. And the reason being is because uh, I'm going to talk about some topics that make us uncomfortable in the church, make us uncomfortable in faith. I, uh, I went on my Instagram and said, what are some topics that you wish your youth leaders and the church leaders talked about in your church? And I got all types of answers, um, some that had to do with homosexuality, some that had to do with sexual morality. Uh, morality some had to do with um, race racial reconciliation and division in the church and um, they all of these topics made me uncomfortable even when I read them straight off the screen so honestly I don't really have anything that is not deep I guess would be my answer and what I mean by deep is that we're kind of just going to get into the meat and potatoes of it the meat and potatoes of the episode and so I'm sorry if you were expecting a super happy episode or a super positive episode, but that's just not what's going to happen. Um, also, I'm in my office, so um, there will be opening, closing stuff will be going on. So uh, forgive me for that. But anyway, we're going to get into it. And the first thing I want to talk about is this idea of overcoming the past. I feel like so often we get stuck in our past and we get stuck in the things that we do that we actually forget who our God is and we forget what our God has done and who he is. And the reason I don't apologize, I did earlier apologize, but the reason I don't apologize for talking about this is because it's a rampant problem in the church and in our faith lives. In our life, we let our past affect the anointing in our lives. We let our past affect the, the ministry that we can do and we also ultimately just let the past speak to us see the enemy is going to try to do whatever he can to try to make you feel like you're less of a person and i know in youth ministry in ministry and that life there's constant reminders telling you you're not qualified this you can't do it you're not supposed to be in this what are you doing but when i look at the scriptures and i look at (laughs) And I look at Jesus and the people he hung around. He was the first youth pastor. He had to correct people. He had to call out people. He, he he said, get behind me, Satan. Like, he was calling his homeboys Satan. Like, he played no games. But he always, I believe he always looked at a person for who they were going to be and who they were in the moment instead of who they were. If that makes sense. So, like, the present and the, and the future. It's like, too often... In other believers' lives and in our own lives, we focus on the past. But Jesus redeems our past. I mean, the the holiday we just celebrated is the most celebrated in Christianity, right? Like Jesus coming out of the grave and and ridding us of the sin that has been in our past and in our lives. And why new believers can come to Jesus knowing that their past is erased. It, It happened, but Jesus doesn't hold it against you. And so... When I think about overcoming the past, just some quick thoughts about it is I I, I think about the adulterous woman uh, and I think about how she was pulled out of her spot. She was pulled out of her the, 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 the bedroom or wherever she was at, uh, caught in the act of adultery. So, I mean, think about literally the act of adultery. And first of all, interesting where the boy at. There's supposed to be a guy in the story and they don't call him out. Something about culture there, but the woman is called out and she's probably covered up, maybe not co- trying to cover herself up. And Jesus is walking by, you know, doing what Jesus do. And 
They say, yo, Jesus, this woman has committed the act of adultery. Uh, we should stone her, right? Like, we need to stone her. Jesus begins drying in the ground, right? And people have a lot of theories, and I'm not trying to hear, trying to get into conspiracy theory. But Jesus begins to draw on the ground, basically distracting, right? And so they're probably sitting there. They're probably angry, like, okay, look what she's done. Look what she's done. Look what she's done. And that's in the present. Like, this is something she's done in the present. But Jesus is looking at the future. Jesus is looking at the heart. Right. So, so, so this woman's here and, and she's in, she's in her, in her sin. Like she's in her sin. I'm, I know she feels all of the shame, all of the guilt. She probably feels nasty because there's people, there's men looking at her because she's barely clothed. And Jesus stands up and says, you're right. It is the law to stone this woman. See, he doesn't rebuke the law. The law is what the law was. <laughs> is it tripping? Maybe. But the law is what the law was. He doesn't, he doesn't disrespect the law. But what he does say is any of you that are without sin cast the first stone. It starts from the oldest to the youngest. Why? Because the oldest have committed the most sins. They start walking away one by one by one. Before we know, it's Jesus and the woman who's probably still standing in her shame, even though she knows or she may have an idea that this dude is important. And they say, she says, or he says, have they not stoned you? She goes, no, not even one. No one has. And he says, well, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, the future is in that sentence of go and sin no more. Go and do no more wrong. Go and win. Go make things happen. You know what I mean? Like, there's joy in that. There's peace in that statement. She was trapped. And, and I don't know, right? But as I look at the scriptures, what it says is it says this. He said, does no one accuse you? Neither do I. Go and sin no more. She probably thought she was going to cut off a fire from the Messiah. She, probably, she was going to catch a fire beef. But no, Jesus said, no, no. Go and sin no more. Go. And walk away and walk in a life free of sin. Now, did she fall? Probably. Maybe. We don't know. Okay? But I know Jesus has told me go and sin no more. And I know I fall into it time and time again. How do I overcome my past when I know Jesus has told me to go and sin no more, but I still fall in these things? I think it's that idea of he says, go and sin no more. He's looking future. He's looking at the heart. Like, like, we're so quick to judge people. We're so quick to shame people in the church. Whether it be from the sin of homosexuality, from the sin of lying. We're so quick to shame, but I always find that we always fail to look at our own hearts. Look at our own mess. Right? The Bible says, get the log out of your own eye, homie, before you try to judge someone because of their speck. And I feel like what all of us got is we're looking at everybody else's specks that we even forget. Like, it's like peripheral vision. We, we become blind. It's like when our nose, right? Like actually, we should be able to see our nose. But our brain says, nah, it ain't there. And we don't, like, we don't see it. Crazy, right? This is the same thing. I feel like the, the, our sin is like our nose. We're so, we, should, we should see it, but other people's sin blinds us. Everything else that's in front of us blinds us. 
Our judgment blinds us. So what's the first step to overcoming your past? How about we start lamenting and freeing and being there for other people when they're in their past? Right, because we always say, man, grace upon grace and grace abounds in grace. But when I find that actual people who come in, sorry, who come in with sin through my pen, who come in with sin, they don't feel that way. They actually walk away sometimes feeling messier than they did before. Why? Because they were never told this. They were never told this. Go and sin no more. Does no, does no one judge you? Does no one persecute you? Neither do I. There's conviction in that statement. Yo, go and sin no more. Now, you were in sin, homie, but go and do no more. Right? I think about Paul. You guys know about the story of Paul, right? Like, literally, coming from kicking it or being around Jesus, he's literally killing people who are of the way or of the life of Christianity or of a believer. He's killing these dudes. And, and Jesus is like, bro, what are you doing? Again, I'm, I'm really dumbing this down. Right? It's like, what what are you doing? You are tripping right now. And Paul is like made blind. <laughs> and he has to go pray. And Ananias, right? He's like, but do you know who this dude is? Do you know what he's done? Do you know who he is? And, and God based God, there's a part in that in that scripture where Ananias is saying, Do I have to? And there's this question that Ananias asks, and Jesus and God doesn't even answer. He just says, So you're gonna do it, right? Go and pray. And Ananias goes, yes, God. He goes and prays. And, and, and the eyes and the scales fall from Paul's eyes. And now he writes two-thirds of the New Testament and changes our faith, changes the book of our faith forever through the power of the Spirit, through the power of Jesus, power of the Holy Spirit, overcoming our past. See, I, I heard this quote. Uh, we were in a staff meeting. Eddie shared it today, and I'm sure you've heard it today, but... The devil looks, um, what, is he, what does he say? The devil calls you out by your sin. Uh, calls you out by your sin. But Jesus calls you out by your name. So the devil knows your name. He knows your name, but he calls you out by your sin. The devil calls you out by your sin. And Jesus calls you out by your name. He knows your sin and calls you out by your name. The devil knows your name, but calls you out by your sin. So, so who are we? Are we people who know people's names? Know people's sins and call them out by their name? Know their sin. Walk with them. Accountability. Or are we people who know people's names and we're like, dude, but do you know what they've done? Do you know how they did it? Do you know what they've done? Again, so I, I, the first step to overcome our past is we got to get rid of other people's past we gotta stop holding on to other people's past and i think the second thing is we have to understand that jesus has done the work so that we can overcome our past and sometimes he does it in crazy ways like to paul but also i think he does it in sometimes the most practical ways for us to overcome our past and third i, I just want to share a practical story of me in high school man I, I, in high school i struggled with this idea of shame because I was the believer dude, man. Everyone was like, man, he knows Jesus. But I was I was kind of wilding. I was kind of, I was tripping. So I, I, I was kind of living, a, I was living truly a double life. I struggled with that. 
I struggled with that. I was hopping from church to church or youth group to youth group. I felt shame because of this. But then God called me into ministry right after high school. He called me into ministry right after I graduated or left that job that I had after high school. And I'm in ministry now. And I believe he's calling me to full-time ministry next year. What? But have you seen my past? Jesus calls us out by our names. He knows your sin. There's a convicting factor of it. But he always calls us out by our name. He says, Nate, I know what you've done. Come to me. Turn from those ways. Turn from the ideas. Turn from the ideals. Turn from you being trapped in your sin and run towards me in every way. We often forget that we need to run towards God. The final step of overcoming our past, this is super quick, y'all, is running to Jesus. We can't overcome our past. We can't overcome our past if we don't over go to the one who overcame our sin, who beat our sin, who said death has died. That's what he said. He said death has died. But you know what we do too often? We say death is alive. Jesus just happened to die for something. Someone asked me, they said, how could you celebrate a holiday? That's not good. And I said, but do you know who Jesus is? He is the greatest. The reason it's good is because he took our sins. We should have been on that cross. We should be on that cross. But no, Jesus went on that cross on our behalf, right? Because he goes by our names. He knows us by our names. He knew our sin, put it on his back, and died so that our names could be etched in the book of life. Overcome your past by knowing Jesus. Overcome your past by knowing Jesus. Amen. Amen. And this last one I want to talk about is a little extra topic. Little, little, little uh, what's it called? A little cherry on top. Little, little throw it on the icing. And it's I saw this post and they said Jesus wasn't white. And as you go into the comments, everyone's tripping, right? And I think I've talked about, maybe I've talked about this before. Uh, Jesus, is, Jesus isn't white, right? And as we look history, we can see that this is true, okay? Um, like we just look to where he was born. I mean, there's very low anything that proves to him being a white man. Also, there's zero chance that he was a white European man. Tough. But what has happened in the church is the European, uh, the Europeanization or the colonization has uh, caused Jesus to be white. So in paintings and everything, he's a white man. Why? Because they want him to look like him, look like their people. See, but the problem with this, see, I have no problem with you wanting to like have Jesus be like you. But what I do have a problem is, is the dominant power, the dominant majority. Um, every character in the history that I've been taught that has been prominent in what they've done has been, I've been told has done great things. But then when you look at their life, they haven't done great things has been white. But then I look at Jesus and to say that, man, he is brown. That I 
For me, if I would have known that he was brown, I think I would have came to Jesus sooner. Because to know that he looked like me, he might have had curly hair like me. He might have had some naps like me. I don't know. It, 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 it brings me life. It does. Now, people say, well, does it matter? Well, does it matter? Does it matter that Jesus is white? Well, the thing is, it didn't matter until he was turned white. Right? They say, man, don't forget about it. Jesus can be any color one. It's all about equality. Jesus is Jesus. Fact. But man, it's something different. My savior represents who I am. Because as I look at culture today, there's nothing. There's not a lot of people out there in the characters. Right? We talk about MLK. But what was that? Every every January? We talk about black leaders. But what was that? Every February? Man, I was in school in 2016. And as I we went through our history books, I was still learning about the same white people that I learned about in fourth grade. They just talked about them in greater ways. And obviously, it's because, you know, the we, we can't write history books some of them can't be about the future but i can't write till kids can read a book and they say what well, there was a black president but i hope that he's talked about in a way where he it's uplifting because man when brown boys and brown girls can look at history and say i am represented there is power in that but if we can't look at our own faith and say we're represented in this if we can't look at our own book and say i'm represented in this i believe that there could be some danger in this topic representation see it's not it's not about equality you've heard about equality versus equity equity is good but man there there needs to be justice let's tear down the ideal that we have of a white jesus and it hurts because i believe it takes power away from the people that have had power for so long that power for so long but it believes it, it brings power to me it brings joy to me right to know that man my my jesus Jesus, my Jesus was black. My Jesus was black. My Jesus was brown. It it brings me representation. And again, I have no issue with it until that the dominant, the dominant, the privileged were able to add another person to their. Hey, look at who we got. Look who the white people got. And you're like, well, that's not the issue. Well, that's not the issue to you. Because you're speaking from a place that is still in power. But it's an issue for me because I'm speaking of a place, from a place, for people that feel like, man, I can't. I literally have had kids that say, I can't follow this because I, there's, I'm not in this. I'm not here in this. Okay, this story isn't about me. It's not for me. But then you talk to kids and you tell them what it's really about. You tell them who he really was. You tell them who he was really for, that he was an immigrant, that he was homeless. You've heard me say this before. You learn that kids feel represented and students feel represented. That's that, Again, that's just a little icing. A little icing. We need to show kids that they're represented. But also we need to show kids that they can overcome their past. Two separate topics but to have equal, equal power, equal power. Hey, thank you guys for checking out the episode. Again, super short one, super quick. Um, If you haven't checked out Isabel Hunt's episode last week, it's fantastic. She talks about the emotion and emotional intelligence. I love it. It's great. Thank you guys for for checking out. Thanks for sharing. And hey, again, I don't care if we have one listener, a hundred listeners. These are going to come out every week. Um, so that you guys can have some encouragement to go into the week or something that you could learn about going into the week. You can ever overcome your past. Jesus wants you to. And also, 
Jesus. Jesus. And he wasn't white. If I rub some feathers, good. Because we need to be made uncomfortable. Um, so thank you guys for checking it out. And we'll see you next week on the Youth of the Nation podcast. Peace.